0: Hello, and welcome to The Corporate Casket, a semi-weekly series where bad businesses go to die. We will discuss any and everything from bad charities, terrible CEOs, and businesses that have a lot to hide. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're going to be talking about the organization Next for Autism. Many, and I mean many of you, have requested that I speak on this because of the whole Mark Rober controversy surrounding this. Autism happens to be a topic that I've talked about quite a bit in previous episodes and it's one that I'm quite passionate about. And I love that a lot of autistic folks tune into these episodes and learn and help point me in the right direction as well. I wanna put a disclaimer like right out here at the beginning and say that I'm obviously not the voice of the autistic community in any capacity and I don't think any singular person is. So if you want to know how autistic people feel about this charity, just ask. The hashtag, hashtag askanautistic on Twitter can be helpful for this as well. Some people are going to feel differently and it's entirely up to you if you support Next or don't after today's episode. Personally, while I don't believe that Next is as harmful as autism speaks, I do think they're not all that far behind. I'll try to be as unbiased as I can going into this as always and talk about the good and the bad that Next has done and how this whole event and situation came to pass. So with all of that being said, let's get right into it. Next for Autism, formerly known as New York Collaborates for Autism, was founded in 2003 by Laura Slatkin, an entrepreneur, and Eileen Lehner, a former law partner. Both of them have sons that are on the autistic spectrum. According to their website, after consulting scientists, educators, and thought leaders, they convened a group of like-minded philanthropists to create and support exemplary innovative programs that would improve the lives of individuals and families living with autism. Next for Autism has built a portfolio of programs with respected service organizations, medical centers, universities, and other educational institutions. Each new initiative is aligned with the corresponding life stage of individuals living and growing with the disorder. Each incorporates best practices and state of the art interventions. Now, I do have to give Next for Autism credit for this, as I've talked time and time again about how important it is to talk to medical centers, do your due diligence before starting any type of charity or company. So I'm glad to see that they at least did that. They also do claim to have autistic board members, something that I've criticized Autism Speaks for not doing in the past. Other sources say this isn't true. They don't actually have any autistic people running the organization. If you go to the about page on the Wayback Machine, they don't mention having autistic people on the board of directors. So for many, it looks as they only recently started saying and promoting this after their recent controversy, though more on that in just a moment. They've also funded Project Search Collaborates for Autism, meant to help high school students transition from school to work. The Project SEARCH Autism Enhancement or PSAE training package is the result of a long-standing collaboration with Next for Autism, Project SEARCH at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center, and the Teach Autism program at the University of North Carolina. It's meant to help young autistic adults find meaningful employment as well as train job coaches and employers. In Mark Rober's video called The Truth About My Son, he explained that there aren't many resources out there for autistic adults, and he is right about that. One article from The Atlantic explains, although people with autism have always existed, the United States saw the tremendous spike in diagnoses beginning in the late 1990s, due in part to increased public awareness of the disorder and improvements in evaluation. About one in every 59 children is diagnosed with autism according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, up from one in every 150 in 2000. About half a million people on the autistic spectrum will legally become adults over the next decade, a swelling tide for which the country is unprepared. When they turn 21, these people leave behind all the programming and funding they received under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act and enter a labyrinth of government services. Although people with other disabilities face similar problems, the staggering rise in diagnoses of autism create a distinctly troubling dilemma in how to ensure that these people receive proper care. What happens when people with autism age into adulthood remains understudied. Researchers predominantly focus on early intervention. Less than 2% of all autism funding is directed to the experience of adulthood and aging, even though people with autism spend a vastly greater proportion of their life as adults. It's pretty obvious. If you live to say 80 years old, you're going to spend 60 years of your life as an adult without those types of services. I'm not saying that services for autistic children shouldn't exist either, like obviously, but those are important, but so are services through adulthood. Even the services that do currently exist, such as a nonprofit called Empowering Long Island's Journey Through Autism are incredibly expensive. Elijah costs $125,000 a year, for example. While improvements are being made, progress is slow and people continue to be unhappy along the way. Alarmingly, in a 2011 study, researchers found that 14 of 141 people in a Pennsylvania psychiatric hospital had undiagnosed autism. And of those, all but two had been misdiagnosed with schizophrenia. Because tests for autism are mainly designed for children and they ask for details about early life, which adults with deceased parents may not know, autistic adults continue to be misdiagnosed. So forget about the fact that there's not as many services available. Many autistic adults can't even access the services that do exist because they don't have a proper diagnosis in the first place. The fact that Next for Autism wants to help autistic young adults build up a stable life and career for themselves is fantastic. And I obviously take no issue with that. However, there is a lot more to this charity and unfortunately the rest isn't exactly as helpful. A massive flood of pushback against Next for Autism happened after Mark Rober came out with a video called The Truth About My Son on April 16th, 2021. I only know Mark Rober from making glitter bombs at people who try to steal Amazon packages. So I personally wouldn't say I have a massive bias or anything against the guy. I will say that I love the way he treats his son in the video because it isn't this whole like pity me, my life is so hard because my son is autistic type of attitude that autism speaks likes to portray. But what about how autistic people saw the video? Let's find out how this was viewed by the community it was meant to uplift. The first video I saw was by a person reacting to the video and their name was Chloe Hayden. I think that was the channel name. The first issue she takes with Mark's video is when he calls his son special needs. Chloe says disability shouldn't be a dirty word, and there's no magical way of saying it. A couple more minutes in, she also explains that when Mark says her son has autism or is a person with autism, it gives the impression of autism being something that can be erased from someone. If you say autistic person, however, then it becomes a part of that person's identity, not something to be ashamed of or something you wouldn't want to be identified with. And language surrounding autism is important. And it's actually a mistake that I made in one of my early videos about Autism Speaks. And I'm still learning as well. And I really do appreciate when people tell me that, hey, you're not supposed to say it like that. You say it like this. And I really do appreciate how Chloe explains her views throughout the video because she's not bashing or criticizing Mark for doing this as Mark's intentions seem to be pure and good-natured. And since autism is something that can't be taken away from someone, it's part of their identity. It would be strange to say a person who has Americanness when you're talking about someone from America. And you wouldn't say a person who has blackness when you're referring to a black person. However, we do say a person with cancer or he has heart disease when we talk about someone having an illness that they would want removed from them. I know this is a bit of a tangent, but I really did love the way that Chloe explained it and wanted to share that because it was something she noticed in Mark's video. She also explained that when Mark uses the term severely autistic, again, it's not an accurate portrayal of the autistic community. There's no such thing as a little bit autistic, Chloe explains, as the spectrum can be described as a color palette. You are either autistic or not. You're not more or less autistic than someone else. You may just have different support needs and different resources. There are fantastic parts of Mark's video though, and I don't want to imply that there's no good things. The video comes from a place of love and Chloe does appreciate that and states, but there are moments here where there are inaccurate languages used. For example, when Mark states that autistic people may never have success in the way we tend to view it, such as making a ton of money, getting a PhD, disabled people have a net positive effect on the world around them. This is pushing a false stereotype on disabled people, saying that they'll never amount to genuine greatness, as Chloe puts it, when Stephen Hawking, Mozart, Tesla, Michelangelo are all proof that this is just not the case. Chloe and I agree with Mark that success simply cannot be defined by your net worth or your degrees or job, but the effect you've had on the world and who you are as a person. But to say that that's the only success an autistic person can have, that's just not true. Unfortunately, when Next for Autism appears, Chloe calls it one of the absolute worst organizations Mark could have possibly chosen. They partner with Autism Speaks, fund ABA, and this fundraiser has A-list celebrities, but not a single one of them is autistic. I absolutely agree with Chloe on this as well. And I appreciate that she says that Mark seems to come from a place of love and gives him the benefit of the doubt. Yet when you have a platform that big and you're raising hundreds of thousands of dollars, it's your job to do the research and pick a charity that will do no harm. Thankfully, Chloe does recommend charities that she believes are far better to support, including Yellow Ladybugs, A4A, and Asan. And just as a brief aside, there were some recent accusations against Asan that they may have plagiarized the creator autistic typing in a pamphlet called Start Here, a guide for parents with autistic kids. However, they claim to have investigated it and haven't really found any similarities other than structural between their content. I did go through and read both of those, and it, there's a lot of you know very convenient similarities that just make me a little uncomfortable with Asan right now, but I just wanted to point that out to you anyway. But anyway, I wanted to give a massive shout out to Chloe. Her opinion was absolutely invaluable. And while I understand that misspeaking may happen, I agree with Chloe that the fact that no one autistic was on this lineup speaks volumes about this event. Before we get into the specific issues that she mentioned she had with Next for Autism and when they've partnered with Autism Speaks, I wanted to look at what a few more autistic people have said about this charity event to see if there are similar views. Ben Kassman, another autistic creator, created a video saying that while he genuinely believes that Mark Rober and the celebrities believe they're doing the right thing, Next for Autism funds ABA therapy and eugenics. He claims that Next for Autism funds research into editing the genes of fetuses to prevent them from having autism, which is literally what eugenics is about. He also says that Next for Autism went ahead and edited their site to remove any mentions of wanting a cure for autism after all the backlash they received and it's a point that Chloe made as well. Now, Ben claims that they're attempting to gaslight people into believing that those phrase and those words were never there, although we will get into this a bit more later. Ben also makes the point that so many neurotypical parents praise Mark in the comments of this video while many autistic people beg him to fund a different charity. This is so unbelievably disheartening to hear. Both Ben, as well as Chloe, get really emotional in their videos, and their videos are really great to listen to, and, It was difficult to listen to, but it was something that I feel like you kind of need to just hear. So I highly recommend both of their videos. Today's episode is sponsored by Warby Parker. Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. Offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, contact lenses, and eye exams, Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores. And glasses start at just $95, including prescription lenses. Sunglasses, progressives, and blue light lenses are also available. And it's super easy to get started with Warpy Parker as well. All you do is simply take their quiz online to order your home try-on kit. And it asks you questions about how wide your face is, what kind of frames you like, the styling, the shape, and then they show you results based on what your quiz said and you pick five of those. It's free to get your home try-on kit. They only charge you for the frames that you keep and don't send back to them. Warby Parker offers style ranges from extra narrow to extra wide to fit most face shapes. Warby Parker also offers contact lenses, including their very own daily contact lens, Scout by Warby Parker. And in addition to Scout, they also carry a wide variety of other contact lens brands too, including AccuView and Biofinity. And they even have sunglasses and blue light filter lenses, which is what I got. And they are so cool. They filter more blue light than the standard polycarbonate or high index lenses and can be added to your order during checkout. So try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. Order five pairs of glasses to try on at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. It ships for free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. So if you wanna get started, make sure to go to warbyparker.com slash casket to try your new glasses today. Again, go to warbyparker.com slash casket. Autism Speaks, Next for Autism, Sparks and other organizations dedicated to finding a cure for autism, cultivate and promote an image of autism as one thing, someone who's helpless. Framing it this way makes it easier for them to say that they're doing the right thing by curing autism. The stereotype also means that actual autistic voices don't get listened to because you just don't know anybody. I say this not to try and pull at heartstrings, but because I can't possibly imagine what it might be like watching the internet praise and donate to a cause that funds my erasure. Autism Speaks is probably one of the most known, if not the most known charity for autism. And I say charity in quotation marks. Now, when Mark Rober seemingly has good intentions and he has a chance to choose a better charity to lift up an organization that will really make a difference, he's chosen one that works with Autism Speaks, an organization that many call a hate group that promotes eugenics and justifiably so. One of my sources reads, one of the big issues related to autism is the stigma surrounding it. Yet Autism Speaks does not work to reduce that stigma. They add to it. Co-founder of the group, Suzanne Wright, went so far as to post this about families with autistic children. These families are not living. They are existing, breathing, yes, eating, yes, sleeping, maybe, working, most definitely 24 seven. This is autism. Life is lived moment to moment in anticipation of the child's next move, in despair, in fear of the future. This is autism. The article also writes, this shifts into ableism defined as the discrimination against people with different abilities and hate when you consider the bigger issue of the group being accused of promoting eugenics. Autism Speaks website has stated their desire for a cure for autism along with their support for research into prenatal testing. As this has already been happening with Down syndrome, prenatal testing is not a cure for anything. It merely allows pregnant women the option of deciding not to raise a child with the condition by having the diagnoses available while abortion is still an option. Another creator hacking on the spectrum also calls out next for autism, a hate group. It's a brief video, but simply stated, just please do not support them. That's their form of ABA basically teaching children communication through dog treats as the video puts it. That's not how communication works. Don't donate to this fundraiser." Another response was from a TikToker named Paige, who said that rather than fund Next for autism in this Color the Spectrum event, she was creating an event to support son. One article reads, Paige Lale, who is the TikTok creator known for her informative video posts about what life is really like for people with autism, was among the first to denounce both Kimmel and Rober for their charity event. The young woman who herself has autism is hopeful that word will spread and people who'd like to donate to a worthy cause will choose ASAN or the Autism Self Advocacy Network so that their money goes directly into the hands of those who know what it's needed for most." Now, the article does say people with autism and I understand that that is not the preferred terminology, but I did wanna make clear that that was a direct quote. And I do wanna also make it clear that I believe that Paige also canceled the event because of that drama and critique surrounding Asan with them potentially stealing that written work from another autistic creator. So I just wanna make that clear that that event I don't think ever actually happened because of Asan's kind of copying situation. Anyway, now that we've seen a few reactions and have a foundation on why autistic people do not like Next for Autism, let's take a look at each one of the specific circumstances. Now, the first issue and one that I've seen pointed out to very often in many of these videos is that they're partnered with Autism Speaks. On their FAQ page, it plainly reads, next partners with and funds a variety of organizations across the country to fulfill our mission of expanding access to programs and services. Our partnerships with groups such as Autism Speaks have been limited exclusively to that mission. We are not currently engaged with Autism Speaks. In 2008, Next for Autism co-founded Advancing Futures for Adults with Autism, a consortium of more than 16 autism organizations, including Easter Seals, SARC, OR, and Autism Speaks, to name a few, with the goal of setting a national public policy agenda. Next, will continue to participate in policy change until people with autism are fully integrated into society. In 2017, we supported an informative line for the autism community, a robust database of services hosted by Autism Speaks that provides information by region. Now there's obviously quite a few problems I have with this. The first is obviously the fact that they openly speak about being partnered with Autism Speaks in the first place. Next for Autism claims that they're not about finding a cure and how they don't believe autism is something to be cured at all. Yet Autism Speaks has shown time and time again that this is in fact their exact attitude. I have talked about Autism Speaks at length and I have many, many episodes about them, but it's just insanity from, you know, being okay with electric shock therapy, claiming that, you know, autism is in fact something that should be cured and totally talking about that mom who was like, sometimes my daughter's autism is so bad, I just wanna drive us both off a bridge. 2017, by the way, wasn't that far away ago either. And many of Autism Speaks's offensive and harmful messaging happened years before then too. Their infamous I Am Autism video came out in 2009, for example. So even if you can excuse them working with Autism Speaks in 2008, then what is the excuse for still working with them in 2017? Questionable partnerships happen by mistake, sure. But from the sounds of Next for Autism statements, they claim that they'll engage with Autism Speaks if it works with their mission of expanding programs and services. As much as I can get behind the general mission, I can't condone that way of doing it. Even if these 2008 and 2017 partnerships did good and it did help people, spreading Autism Speaks hurts the autistic community. Giving them a platform, no matter the fantastic intentions, is harmful. And that's at least how I personally see it. As for what these events actually accomplished, I decided to try and find what happened with this 2017 information line to see what exactly was spread. From what I can tell, this line is known as ART or the Autism Response Team. While this might seem like a great way to find a place to start because it's been founded by Autism Speaks, the resources that have been given are well, you know, Autism Speaks resources. The toolkits they provide as well as things that have been mentioned in the past are speaking about autism as if it's a tragic disease that's going to bring you nothing but challenges and heartache. There's very little positivity, a lot of stereotyping, and to be expected, a lot of harm done by the information they spread. So if Next for Autism supported this, saying that they only work with Autism Speaks when it spreads their mission, then they're directly aligning themselves with these harmful stereotypes as well. Next for Autism came out with a statement when all their criticism came their way, and they said this. Next partners with and funds various organizations across the country to fulfill our mission of expanding access to programs and services. Our partnerships with groups such as Autism Speaks have been limited exclusively to that mission. Anyone using these partnerships to draw a line from next to eugenics or anything related to the prevention and cure of autism is doing an enormous disservice to the people we serve by spreading this gross untruth. In reality, the enormous disservice here is partnering with organizations that do promote eugenics practices. Autism Speaks has endorsed the Judge Rotenberg Center or the Judge Rotenberg Center, as I say it, and they've treated autism like a horrific thing that they need to cure, and they use fear-mongering to get their point across. And the Judge Rotenberg Center, for those of you that have not ever seen my video that I did on YouTube about it, is the center that did promote using electric shock therapy in order to try and train autism out of people. It was horrific and Autism Speaks supported it as late as 2013. If you don't support eugenics, then don't fund organizations that do. It's pretty fucking simple, really. Other YouTubers that have spoken out on this topic has also explained in some depth and making it clear that working with Autism Speaks gives them validity after the damage they've caused and they are, it's no way for a charity to operate. Jesse Gender has also brought up a point that I didn't see made much elsewhere about one of the leaders of the organization, Harry Slatkin, the husband of Laura Slatkin. Apparently, Harry also used some incredibly questionable and autism-speaksy-esque language before while speaking about their own autistic son, David, in an interview with Town & Country Magazine. Here's what the article said. David's father, Harry, who is the president of Home Design for Limited Brands, joins in, speaking with total honesty that he and Laura have chosen to use when they talk about David. Does Laura ever imagine how different their lives would be if autism could be cured? Laura says, it would mean the world to have my son back, not back because I never had him, but to have David turn and say, I love you, mom, it's crushing, it just shakes a huge chunk out of you to not be able to communicate with your son. At times, the pain has been almost unbearable. In a documentary entitled Autism, True Lives, Harry describes the large pond next to their house in the Hamptons. We put locks on all the doors leading outside because we didn't want David possibly going into the pond but there were times when you'd hope he did because you wouldn't want him to suffer like this all his life," Harry said. Everyone urged the Slatkins to cut this from the documentary, Laura says, but they left it in. Since then, we've spoken to many families who say we all share that hidden dark thought. This reminds me a lot of the Autism Speaks video where the mother talks about wanting to drive her daughter off a bridge, and it's just as disgusting now as it was then personally, if you've had that type of thought, I'm not gonna judge you per se, a parent may feel helpless, absolutely. However, what makes this so upsetting is that it was shared publicly in a magazine when your family is supposed to work for the autistic community. Literally, when you have someone that's just kind of like, well, you know, kind of like manslaughter could be okay in some instances, like, no. Are you really trying to justify like allowing your kid to like drown, like what? There are so many people that already work with Autism Speaks that are neurotypical and acting as if autism is a hopeless disease and you don't need more of that misconception out there. And look, I understand that people and charities can make mistakes. Some celebrities such as Rhett and Link from Good Mythical Morning did actually back out of the event when they were educated by autistic people begging them to reconsider. And I think that's amazing. However, to see Next for Autism doubling down on their disgusting partnerships is incredibly frustrating. Not once do I see them denounce Autism Speaks or say that they don't intend to work with them anymore. But speaking of eugenics, let's get into that next. Next for Autism says they don't promote cures or treatment, right? But screenshots of their website before they conveniently edited it say otherwise. It's not hard to find this on the Wayback Machine. They have ties with the Center for Autism and the developing brain. That's where their research funding goes to an organization that wants to treat autism. A blurb about this center they support reads the following. The Center for Autism and the Developing Brain cares for patients with autism spectrum disorders and other developmental brain illnesses. It provides comprehensive care and expert assessments and tailors treatments to children, adolescents, and adults focusing on social communication and or behavioral deficits and difficulties. The center also researches the causes of developmental brain illnesses so they can improve treatments and eventually prevent them. It is committed to educating future professionals through school consultations and community trainings. So next, darling, please stop gaslighting people. Right on your website, it's plain to see that you support CADB, but then their response, they say they wouldn't ever support a group seeking to eliminate or prevent autism. Like that's what they're doing. Treating autism and eliminating it, uh, many people in the autistic community do not want that. And to see that language plainly written, little sus, just gonna say that. And again, this is just straight up lying on the statement of purpose because they currently fund organizations that are seeking treatment. So when you follow the money trail, it contradicts what their little statement even said. The other thing along with this vein is that Next also has heavily advocated for ABA treatment. In that town and country article, Laura called David starting ABA treatment their first year of hope. I really appreciate Asan's view of ABA, so I'm going to read it from their website for a moment. Many therapies can be helpful for autistic people like physical therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, and AAC. We think these therapies should be easier for autistic people to get. But there are some therapies that focus on making autistic people seem normal or appear less autistic. The most common type of this therapy is Applied Behavioral Analysis, or ABA. ABA uses rewards and punishments to train autistic people to act non-autistic. ABA and other therapies with the same goals can hurt autistic people, and they don't teach us the skills we actually need to navigate the world with our disabilities. Sometimes people say they use ABA to work on other skills like communication. There are better ways to teach those skills. We work to make those better ways available to everyone. Asan does not support any one kind of therapy for autistic people. Different things will work better for different autistic people. The most important thing is that any therapy should help autistic people get what we want and need, not what other people think we need. Good therapies focus on helping us figure out our goals and work with us to achieve them. Has ABA helped David? I can't say that for sure. I won't pretend that it has never helped anyone. However, what's bothered many autistic people in the videos I've seen is that so many groups such as Next and Autism Speaks and those that advocate for it seem to ignore the massive amount of harm that ABA can do when done improperly. Once you know the history of ABA, it's not really hard to see why either. The creator of ABA, Ivar Lovas, once said, You see, you start pretty much from scratch when you work with an autistic child. You have a person in the physical sense. They have hair, a nose, and a mouth, but they are not people in the psychological sense. One way to look at the job of helping autistic kids is to see it as a matter of constructing a person. You have the raw materials, but you have to build the person. And it's been a while Uh, since I've read something pretty gross like this. I don't really think I need to go into too much detail about how disgusting and messed up this is. Even if ABA has been improving or you know, new or whatever, the fact that it was founded on this type of ideology is quite disturbing. And it's not as if this was that long ago either. Loveus founded the Autism Society of America in the 60s and passed away in 2010. He employed harsh techniques like withholding food, physical punishments, withholding affection, and electric shocks. He also worked with psychologist, George Rakers, a key figure in the world of gay conversion therapy and co-founder of the notoriously anti-gay Family Research Council. The fact that this was a common way to treat autistic people not long ago is incredibly upsetting. So it's hardly any wonder that autistic people and organizations in modern day worlds want to move away from ABA's harmful and dangerous history. Hell, studies show it can still be harmful to this day and argue that long-term ABA can be abusive. One of these studies reads the following. The issue at hand is threefold. What behavior is inherent and appropriate? What expertise is required to make such a determination? And what expertise is required to recognize when the treatment is actually causing harm? In dealing with human beings, it is unethical to make an arbitrary decision on what is an appropriate behavior without understanding the long-term ramifications of attempting to change that behavior. At its core, it is an inherent requirement that necessitates a therapist's understanding of the internal processes and abilities of the patient before designing a treatment plan, as well as the training to recognize when the treatment is detrimental. ABA therapists are not required to take even a single class on autism, brain function, or child development. This single fact necessarily leads to at least the vast majority of ABA therapists practicing out of their scope. We are unaware of any other profession or circumstance where it is considered ethical to not study anything about the manifestation or circumstances of a condition, then attempt to treat it. Moreover, it is negligent, dangerous, and malpractice for any professional or paraprofessional to claim expertise and implement interventions for a group they have not vigorously studied." These abysmally low standards in this world of ABA is one of the reasons why this therapy can go so horribly wrong in the first place. One source says the only qualification someone needs to be a registered behavior technician is a high school diploma, a 40-hour course, and a background check, an in-person assessment, and as of 2016, a written test. Whereas therapists who work independently with children needs hundreds of hours of training to even qualify. I think a quote from John Bailey, an ABA expert at Florida State University in Tallahassee, really rings true here. Right now, ABA is known as the gold standard for treatment of autism, and that's because we have so much research on this," he says. But if you don't translate the research into practice and you don't monitor the practice, it's not the gold standard anymore. Personally, I just don't feel that ABA deserves its title as the gold standard for much of anything, considering how much information there is calling it abusive and harmful. Not because ABA condones physical abuse necessarily, but because it ignores a child's feelings. One fantastic article from the Neuroclastic posts videos of ABA therapy in action and says that, in all of these videos, the children are never yelled at, scolded, shamed, or injured. They are praised and rewarded when they get things right. And often the kids seem to be enjoying the games. No electric shocks, no aversive, nothing to make the experience traumatic, right? Wrong, holistic people can't see it because they don't understand how it feels to be autistic. If you watch the video again, you would notice how often the therapists take the children's hands and fold them into the children's lap. You would notice how often the child's feelings are ignored. In the first video, several of the children begin rubbing their eyes and looking tired, but they do not address this. In the video with the girl in the supermarket, an autistic person can spot that she was getting overstimulated, exhausted, and was increasingly desperate to escape this environment. In the video with the crying child, an autistic person wonders why she is so unhappy. Is she exhausted, overtired, overwhelmed? And when she stops fussing and goes back to doing the work, we can see the resignation on her face. She isn't happier. She's just accepted that her feelings don't matter. And the fastest way to escape the situation is by complying. In the last, you can see that ABA therapists deliberately ignore attempts to communicate or produce behaviors that have not been demanded by the therapist. The child wants his mother's attention. Would I ignore my child while trying to listen to what his doctor is telling me? Probably, but I would sh- or pat his arm to let him know that he was heard and I would be with him in a minute. Notice that ABA doesn't tell you to go back to the child after and find out what they needed or wanted. And that is the problem with ABA, not the rewards, not the silly imitation games. The problem with ABA is that it addresses the child's behaviors and not the child's needs. Not to mention the fact that these kids are put through this therapy for 40 hours a week. So it's no wonder they're frustrated or overstimulated or exhausted. That's a lot to put a kid through. You're literally forcing this to be their full-time job as a child. And David, Harry and Laura's son apparently did this for 50 hours a week. So it doesn't seem like that's uncommon either for it to be this intensive. If you do want more information about ABA from an autistic person's point of view, I do highly recommend you look at this article. I think it's incredibly important to share an autistic point of view here because they, more than anyone, can explain how they feel about ABA. So thus far, we have an organization that condones extremely intensive therapy options that many call abuse. Their founders have promoted that autism is hopeless language. They work with Autism Speaks and blatantly lie about wanting to cure autism. They're just a step away from Autism Speaks really, and even if we give them the benefit of the doubt, that doesn't excuse their lie about not supporting organizations searching for cures when CADB is right on their website to this day. You can't really excuse their actions when they still haven't disavowed Autism Speaks or seemingly acknowledged all the damage it's really done. What I think Next for Autism has forgotten is the phrase, nothing about us, without us. It's a phrase used in many marginalized communities, such as the autistic community, to lift up autistic voices. To understand autism better, we need to listen to autistic people. It's as simple as that. Participatory autism research still represents only a fraction of the plethora of autism research conducted across the globe. But it is gaining momentum. The Cooperative Research Center for Living with Autism, funded by the Australian Commonwealth Department of Industry, Innovation, and Science is especially progressive in this regard. It prioritizes inclusive research that genuinely involves autistic people and their allies in all stages of the research process. And the UK's participatory autism research collective run by autistic scholars is building a community network to provide autistic involvement in autism research. I didn't really want this episode to come across as totally hopeless or making people absolutely paranoid about what charities to donate to. But I do feel that if Mark Rober had simply asked more autistic people in his life what charities the autistic community supports, I feel like the $3 million this Color the Spectrum event raised could have been put to better use. His intentions seemed pure from what I've seen. This is just, unfortunately, another massive disappointment for the autistic community. And it breaks my heart that at the end of Chloe's video, she says this, Why do we have to constantly battle? ...for the right to exist, continuously having to fight for our right to exist while do-gooding celebrities raise money for things that are going exactly against everything for who we are. Why are we having to constantly make noise to prove that we are worthy of existence? I'm so tired, man. I'm so done with this. I wanted to love this. I wanted to be involved. I wanted to support this with everything I had, but I'm just disappointed. And I don't know why, because... I don't think I've ever not been disappointed when it comes to anyone that is not autistic speaking about autism, we have. For all of my autistic viewers listening, I hope that I can be a good ally to you. For anyone watching who isn't autistic, please hear and lift up autistic voices when they're speaking. But with all of that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something new and I'll see you in the next one, bye.